This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Thanks for sticking with us today on a Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, and also within the second week of Lent. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you from our Grand Forks studios. I was thinking about something just, Father, to set up this next conversation, how the parable in the gospel for today is so important, is so appropriate when we talk about the social teachings of the church. One of the things I mentioned in my homily at Mass this morning was that, you know, the rich man is never named. Uh, tradition calls him Dives, you know, the Latin for the ri- a rich man, whereas Lazarus is named. And, you know, there are probably times in our lives where we care more about the names and the details of the influential in the world and are not as willing to find out about, you know, the poor well, and the vulnerable. I mean, apropos for today, we all know the name Putin. Yeah. But the untold three million victims at this moment in ever-increasing number who we don't know the names of. Exactly. So um, on that uh, on that note, let's uh, turn things over to our final guest for our show today, Jason Adkins from the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on this morning. Thank you very much. We know that your uh, time is precious, especially during the course of a um, legislative session, so we very much appreciate your willingness to visit with us. It seems like sort of a half-time, you know, or a halfway point for uh, the legislative session, and uh, with the uh, public policy arm for the uh, dioceses in Minnesota, uh, we thought it would be good to hear from you about how things are going so far, so we'll just kind of open up the floor um, wherever you want to begin on some of the, uh, the work that's happening uh, with your conference and with the legislature this year. Sure, absolutely. And for the listeners who don't know, the Minnesota Catholic Conference is the public policy voice of the Catholic Church in Minnesota. The conference is not an event. It's a conference of bishops. So the role of our staff is to Indeed. bring the bishops' public policy initiatives to the halls of the Capitol. Pope Francis calls us to all go and evangelize at the peripheries, and the peripheries are not just physical peripheries, they're existential peripheries, uh, the places where we need to bring the light of the gospel. And certainly the halls of our legislatures are uh, one of those places. So it's really a privilege and honor to be missionaries at the Capitol and uh, talk about public policies that serve human dignity and the common good. And and as you said, we're kind of past the halfway point of our session in the sense that we have bill deadlines coming up on March 25th. That's the first bill deadline, which means that any policy bill has to have been heard already in one committee uh, by March 25th for it to make it through the process. So legislators are working furiously to hear as many bills as they can to see what ends up uh, in negotiations toward the end of session. Very good. And I know at least, at least in the North Dakota side, there is that sense of a, a crossover, what may have been taken up in the House is moving to the Senate and vice versa. So there's a lot of work that's that's being done. Um, the last time that we spoke with you a couple of months ago, you were looking ahead to some particular issues where um, the Catholic Conference would be uh, particularly interested in its advocacy. Um, would you uh, be willing to just kind of follow up on, on any of those in terms of uh, where those conversations have gone. Well, our legislature here in Minnesota is divided. We have a Republican-controlled Senate, a Democrat-controlled House, and a Democratic governor. So 
um, it's it's tough. You know, gridlock is a feature of our system. It's not a bug, um, but that makes it difficult to get legislation passed. So right. uh, there's there's the potential that um, things passed this year is limited. So only a few things are likely to get through. There are going to be bigger things. But one of the big policy initiatives that has some bipartisan momentum, unfortunately, is the legalization of sports betting. And this is something we're very concerned about. We don't think it's right to legalize anytime, anywhere gambling through one's cell phone uh, for people as young as age 18. Um, certainly games of chance, raffles, charitable gaming, those are, are fine and in good measure can be appropriate and just leisurely charitable activities. But online sports betting is uh, different, not just in degree, but different in kind. This has the potential to harm the financial futures of young people, um, affect people who already suffer from addictions of various forms, lead to family bankruptcies, um, you know, lead, 37% of problem and compulsive gamblers steal from their employers. So this is not just something that's harmless fun for people who want to uh, enhance their Sunday NFL watching experience. This has the potential to, to harm the common good and harm our most vulnerable Minnesotans especially. So we're opposed to sports betting, and we're communicating that pretty proactively to our legislators. You know, the, the irony of the whole thing is I'm, I'm envisioning, well, why would there be a bipartisan support? Well, I'm sure they're looking at tax money revenue that would be generated from such activities. But to me, the ironic thing about it is the tax revenue that would be generated won't become close to address the the consequences of the harms that are created that's in the short term. In yeah. The short, yeah, like you're, it's, yeah. There's not enough That's gold exactly right. to fix the problem. Yeah, so the, the, the promise of revenue, well, we're going to give 40% of the revenue to youth sports, and this is sort of the moral fig leaf that they try to use to cover what's basically the legalization and expansion of a vice activity in the state. So follow the money, as they say. There are a lot of gambling conglomerates and corporations, your draft kings, um, et cetera, et cetera, that stands to make a lot of money on this. But remember, the House always wins, and if the House always wins, Minnesotans are likely to lose. And so we... You know, another another thing, just on what you're saying there, too, like even if you think about kind of the sickness of it, 40% goes back to youth sports. Well, I mean, the, the whole concept of of gambling or gaming off the game is you're, you're, you're absolutely changing the nature of the game. I mean, you're... The, the the entire structure then of the sports is going to be it's going to become something else where it, it it's all it's all about the the profit and the money and and you know those who are controlling the house who's controlling the the gaming and winning off it they're going to manipulate the very nature of sports and why it exists and what it's about so and if the, and if they're investing forty percent back into the youth sports that though that whole idea is going to come into those youth sports about the whole purpose you're doing it is to succeed and to get money and to, you know, I mean, it, yeah, there's just, it's, it's a, oh, you're opening a door to turn something that can be virtuous, like say sports or youth events, and it's going to become something entirely different. Well, the, you know, the, the, the idea here is to turn every sports arena into a racetrack, right? You can gamble on whether Tom Brady's going to throw three touchdown passes in the second half right in the stadium. I mean, that's that's the future and that's the goal 
you know, the sports leagues are very much in on this and are paying attention. You know, professional sports, of course, grew up in a gambling culture. That's how they made their money originally. But after the Black Sox scandal of 1919, gambling and sports betting uh, became taboo. And so we've operated uh, for a long time without uh, sports betting. You know, Pete Rose was banned from baseball for betting. But gambling was originally part of that sports culture. But likely, if it is to return, there will be more Black Sox scandals. You know, we talk about the whole term of a boat race. You know, it's a boat race. That comes from betting on rowing races in the 19th century. So uh, it's likely that um, scandals and impropriety and corruption will return to professional sports well, just this past uh, once season, we introduce uh, sports betting. Yeah, this past season, I'm forgetting the name of the athlete, but he, he was a receiver and he, he had an injury. He was off for the week with his family and he placed a bet. Now he's, I mean, he's... Suspended for an entire season coming yeah, up here, Yeah, right? coming up, which... Yeah. And, and they, they're out crying like, oh, how terrible, how terrible, how could they do that? What a cruel punishment for... Because he's, he's losing millions of dollars over it, you know, kind of thing. But you're like, well, here we go. I mean, there, there you go. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. that's just a little drop in the bucket right, compared right. to what, what will yep. be taking place. So, Yep, how intrusive it all is. Go ahead. Yeah, so we're, we're opposed to it. We think it's, you know, really dangerous, addictive. Um, imagine sitting on your couch betting on the Vikings. <laughs> you know, so it, it's really something that, again, is, is uh, different in degree than, you know, your charitable gaming or your bingo or something like that, and uh, really uh, is a uh, harm to the common good. So we're opposing that. We're also uh, looking at... What, 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 what are the odds of that actually being successful? Is it pretty high that it looks like pretty it's Pretty high. Cost? I would say, yeah. um, if we're betting, no pun intended, um, right. you know, better than even. But what we're doing is we're communicating the voice of the faith leaders. We're going to be submitting a letter of uh, many, many prominent faith leaders around our state expressing opposition. Um, and we're going to be mobilizing our parishes here in Minnesota to communicate to their legislators that, again, if the House always wins, then Minnesotans are likely to lose. So uh, it's a really important issue, and people should stay up on what's going on at the Capitol and talk to their legislators. Right, right. And it's interesting to hear about uh, the cooperation that is possible with other, um, uh, I, I guess you're referring to uh, leaders of Christian denominations. There may not be the same Imams, sorts of... Uh, rabbis, Protestants, okay. Catholics. We're getting everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. So there's interfaith opposition to sports betting and gambling expansion. Right, right. Um, Well, we're going to be taking a break in just a couple of minutes, but I wanted to introduce something here that uh, we wanted to just uh, ask you to weigh in on. Um, There is an article in the Catechism 2442 uh, that speaks about the role of the laity uh, when it comes to politics and how important it is that there is that kind of engagement uh, from the grassroots. Um, uh, how, How does that particular part of church teaching really inform what you guys are all about at the Catholic Conference. Well, the you know the role in that same article twenty four forty two I think it is you know it says the clergy is there to form consciences and the laity is there to bring salt and light to be faithful citizens. So uh, on one level, our work is helping to form the consciences of the laity, identifying issues on which the bishops are particularly concerned, and then encouraging Catholics to join their voices to the voice of the bishops. But we also you know take time out and do things like. Uh, get on the radio and talk about important issues to let people know what's going on. But it really is the job of the lady to bring the gospel values into the public square and be disciples, to be missionary disciples in the public square. That means form our right. conscience, inform our, our, inform our political positions, and then transform our state. So we like to say, form, inform, transform. 
Um, and nice. uh, it, politics is not just a hobby that we, you know, either take care of when we vote and then just, you know, cross our fingers and hope everything goes well. Our, our politicians need us. They need us as resources. They need us as friends to help inform them about important issues. You know, they go to office and they care about maybe three things, and on the rest of the issues, they want to hear from constituents about what's important and what matters to them. So if we're, if we're delegating that to someone else, if we're letting someone else show up, those are the people whose voices are going to be heard. So it's really incumbent upon us not just to vote mm-hmm. and uh, leave it at that, but to continue to be in conversation, to be in relationship with sure. our elected officials. And if we don't like what they're doing, um, then consider maybe running uh, ourselves for office. Yeah, and just kind of as a quick follow-up to that, without divulging any confidences or anything, Sam, can you think of cases where a legislator in a conversation with you um, uh, shared with you that there was you know, a real spike of input coming from constituents like John Q. Public calling in, writing in, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and impacting them? Absolutely. And it's about relationship. You know, we talk about parenting, and there's no rules without relationship. And that's the same with our elected officials. Relationships go a long way. We just had a legislator who was signed on to support assisted suicide who came off the bill because of conversations with neighbors and constituents, particularly uh, a wife of someone that he knew uh, in the community. And I think that's really powerful. And that's uh, just the most recent example of that happening. But yes, absolutely. Um, legislative contacts from people in the pew really, really make a difference. Because ultimately, they're accountable to you. You vote them in or out. And if they're not doing what the people ask, um, then there's a likelihood that they might mobilize opposition and be run out of office. And they want to stay in office because they want to serve. So again, they really respect and look for and appreciate the input of constituents. And so people shouldn't be shy about um, asking things and proposing things, not demanding things. Uh, proposing and be in conversation and be in relationship. That's a key part of a a political process that requires the participation of the citizens, the government of the people, by the people, and for the people, not just the elected people. It's an ongoing conversation, and Catholics need to show up. Otherwise, someone else will and make the laws. Very good. Well, we'll continue this conversation with Jason Atkins from the Minnesota Catholic Conference after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, 
please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live as we are visiting with Jason Atkins from the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross here with you, priests of the Diocese of Fargo. And another topic that we wanted to get into with you, Jason, has to do with how um, some of the issues going on around the country have been manifesting themselves with uh, the legislative session, especially when you think of Loudoun County, Virginia, San Francisco, you know, recalls of school board members, increased participation on the part of um, parents and people in the community in uh, school choice and, and various other things like that. So uh, what uh, updates can you give us in those areas? Well, we've been talking about the importance of school choice for years. It's been a cornerstone point of Catholic advocacy since, uh, you know, the Church really got off the ground here in terms of population in the mid-19th century, uh, that we should not let the state monopolize the education of our children. Uh, You know, the parents are the first educators. The state can subsidize that role, but it can't replace it. And what we're seeing right now is a battle between the public school system and parents. Who controls? Who decides? During COVID, parents really got an inside look because of distance learning as to what their kids were learning. And very sure. many people, people were troubled by that. So you saw what happened in Virginia um, with a, with a uh, kind of red wave uh, and the election of Governor Youngkin there. Um, we're hearing about bills in, in legislatures such as Florida uh, regarding curriculum, curriculum transparency. And so, you know, who decides? Who, who controls the education of your child? Are parents in the driver's seat? Or are school teachers in the driver's seat? You know, we're hearing troubling things about public schools facilitating sex transitions and not telling parents and parents not having the right to know those things. So there's a really important battle uh, and conversation going on about that right now. Here in Minnesota, um, you know, you see the Senate Republicans proposing what we call a parent's bill of rights, uh, school choice, education savings accounts, curriculum transparency, um, the right to know what's going into your child's curriculum and that requiring teachers to post those things, um, and then the teachers' union opposing that. So this is a big conversation happening nationally. It's happening here in Minnesota. Uh, in general, we would support education savings accounts. If you like your public school, you can keep it. Otherwise, if you want to have an education savings account to craft an educational plan for your child, the state should provide that for you to attend non-public school, to homeschool, Uh, to do a hybrid model, whatever suits your child. Children are not cookie cutter, and neither should their educational plans. We shouldn't necessarily have to fit into the factory school model of the 19th century. So school choice is a really important conversation. Not everyone can attend a non-public school. That's why it's important for parents, especially at the local level, to be engaged with your school board. And if you don't like your school board's policies, then vote those people out. And that's going on 
all over the country right now. So can you explain to, to me and to our listeners, what, why are there certain groups of politicians, why would they be opposed to school choice? What, what, what's behind that? Because they're in the pocket of the teachers' union, <laughs> to be perfectly uh, blunt mm-hmm. about it. Um, you know, the teachers' union is the, the, one of the pillars of the state Democratic Party here in Minnesota. And so there's a reflexive uh, opposition to education reform, um, not because the, the teachers' union is putting the interests of kids first, but because functionally it's a labor monopoly that wants as few mandates as possible. I, pre- I speak pretty stridently about the teachers' union here because uh, I really find their advocacy troubling. They're not truthful in how they speak about non-public schools or school choice, and they fight reform at every level. Again, that's not to uh, criticize every public school teacher. There's many who are doing great jobs, and they're different from the union reps uh, who are down here at the Capitol. But, um, you know, it's really troubling. Why shouldn't we give uh, kids uh, an opportunity to opt out of the system if the system is not serving them? We believe that Mm -hmm. public public education dollars should follow students and not systems. Uh, public right. education is the education of the public. It's not the same thing and synonymous with the public school system, which is in constant need of reform and improvement. You know, and one of the things that people often bring up is if you're going to make some of these um, things happen, you know, that you have to figure out how to pay for it. Well, one of the retorts that we could come up with is uh, you often hear about these notorious examples of the amount of money, how many thousands of dollars per student spent in some of the public, you know, school systems that seem to be struggling most with regard to bench benchmark, um, you know, uh, things of uh, literacy and graduation rate, you know, your Detroit's, Baltimore's, you know, various things like that. So I I, I think it's a matter of thinking about the fact that it's not that there isn't the money there. It's just about making the hard choices about how to allocate it. And like how you said, you know, uh, money following the students and being really at the service of them. That's right. And we have one of the worst achievement gaps between white students and students of color uh, anywhere in the country, yet our urban school districts especially spend, uh, you know, huge amounts of money on, a per, on their per-people expenditures. By contrast, Catholic schools in those same areas are spending half, generally, or maybe two-thirds of what the public schools spend and are getting far superior results. And it's, and it's an apples-to-apples comparison because they have the same amount of kids on free and reduced student lunch. So this is the same population uh, from which they're drawing in many instances. So it's not like it's a skimming or creaming from the top, and that was, that's what accounts for the difference. So whether your concern is the achievement gap, whether it's um, the failure of public schools to provide in-person learning during COVID, whether you're concerned about what's being taught in the curriculum related to gender, for example, now, school choice benefits everybody. And, um, and the, only, the only way we're ever going to get real competition, or I'm sorry, real reform in the public schools is, is if we inject some competition uh, for those mm-hmm. students. You know, if the public school is working for you, great. That should be one of the school choices that people have. But if it's not, then we should be empowering parents. That should be the cornerstone of state education policy. Now, Jason, we just have a few seconds left, so uh, before we, um, uh, before you take your leave here, if you could just uh, give our listeners a reminder of some of the ways that um, they can connect with you and stay up to date on the work of the Catholic Conference in Minnesota. Well, our website, mncatholic.org, is a great place to start. We have a bill tracker on the website that highlights the legislation that we're supporting or opposing. On the website, mncatholic.org, you can join the Catholic Advocacy Network, where um, by entering your email and address, you can stay informed about key issues and key votes that your legislator is taking, and then an opportunity to communicate with them with a click of the mouse. Again, people can find the Catholic Advocacy Network at mncatholic.org. 
That's mncatholic.org. It's just a way that we're helping empower you as faithful citizens so you can form your conscience, inform your vote, and transform your state. Excellent. Jason Adkins uh, joining us from the Minnesota Catholic Conference. Thank you for taking uh, time out of your busy day and blessings to you and your continued work. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much. God bless you and your listeners and happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. Yes. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you too. Yes, every, every, like we mentioned, everyone's Irish for one day here today, right, <laughs> Father Leffer? Absolutely. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, we're going to toss over to Command Central as Eli and Fargo is going to um, give us a preview of the next show. Hey, thanks, Fathers. Great show today. Got another good one coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That's hosted by Brett Eckert and Karen Gibis coming to you live from the Mustard Seed Catholic Store in Rapid City, South Dakota. They'll visit with Father Jeffrey Kirby. He'll talk about understanding our call to the supernatural life. Then Jacques Daniel will talk about the role of man in restoring a Catholic culture. Plus, a special guest will talk about Catholic homeschooling. All this and so much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's Friday morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Right back to you. Thank you very much, Eli. We appreciate it. Look forward to that broadcast from the Black Hills tomorrow. Um, thinking about uh, just in the moments here before um, the uh, program ends, um, I know your um, uh, activity, Father Leffer, in your years growing up and even in your adulthood with basketball, if people like basketball, this is absolute March nirvana. madness. Yes, the first round begins today in just a few minutes and wall-to-wall on numerous networks. Um, from uh, noontime to th- late in the evening. We have the Minnesota State Girls Basketball Tournament going on. We have the North Dakota Crown Jewel starting today, the Class B Boys Basketball Tournament at the Minot State University Dome. So um, if you're one of these people who, at this point, I'm not quite sure how, but is hasn't gotten enough and still jonesing for basketball, it's on. <laughs> Hamlet wasn't the only one that went mad. March Madness. <laughs> and, and just a shout-out to all the folks up in uh, in up in Walsh County area surrounding area we have a we're gonna have a, a big celebration for St Joseph at 10:30 on uh, Saturday at St John of Pomacine Church in Pisic celebrating his his great uh, provision for us in our church there and uh, burning of the mortgage there we go fantastic you know that those are the th- neat pictures that you like to see in the archives and in old um, uh, books like history books of parishes where uh, a pastor is burning the mortgage of the original building <laughs> or of the school and stuff like that. So you guys are going to be adding to the annals of the great history of uh, of, of that parish cluster. So, um, yeah, uh, as, as we uh, are wrapping up things here today, let's uh, make sure to take time on Saturday to ask for the intercession of St. Joseph for our husbands, our dads, our brothers, that uh, the men in our lives may be truly men of integrity, men of faith, and that they may re- realize that the expression of that faith is not something that is contrary to their masculinity, but completes it and perfects it. So, St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Patrick, pray for us. All holy angels and saints, pray for us. Thanks for joining us on Real Presence Live. Until next time, Father Leffer and Father Gross, wishing you all the best for your families. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. 
Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence radio network.